Alpha Team is flying around the forest zone, situated in northwest Raccoon City, where we're searching for the helicopter of our compatriots, Bravo Team, who disappeared during the middle Chris, of our mission. you haven't found it? No, I haven't found it yet. Bizarre murder cases have recently occurred in Raccoon City. There are outlandish reports of families being attacked by a group of about ten people. Victims were apparently eaten. Bravo team went to the hideout of the group and disappeared. Look, Chris! Every story has a beginning. Discover the origin of evil. Why are you back here? Claire, your conspiracies weren't true when we were kids. They're not true now. We need to expose Umbrella. Watch this. I'm afraid, Claire. I'm afraid of what they're gonna do to this town. You see, Umbrella, they have an incident. I'm talking Chernobyl, if you know what I mean. People are getting sick. You gotta help us, Claire. Let the world know what's really going on. We have to contain this. Shall we go? What were Umbrella doing here? This is where they're experimenting on him. Split up. any experience with survival horror video games a little bit so i do play video games recently i've been playing one that is called dying light it's like a zombie survival game so yes i do i did play resident evil a little bit not too much which resident evil i don't remember which one it is to me like i like zombies because of you but then i got zombied out and on my video games itself i like more like fantasy i don't like more zombie first you know shooters and stuff like that that that, that that's kind of more violent for my taste I'm, I'm i'm not too violent of a person i like more fantasy so i know that i did play one and i didn't was too much into it i can see you liking it because of the puzzle aspect of it uh, but that was more in the earlier games and my understanding is that when they redid the games they made them more intense and more action oriented so I, I think that the moment for you to play resident evil games is past unfortunately yes indeed and i think i do remember i remember when i was i don't know i was say 14 
13 years old. I remember that I stayed over my aunt's house and my cousin was playing it and he was explaining to me about, oh yeah, you know, it is like all these puzzles and then you have to do all this. And he was a bit of a liar. Well, a bit more. <laughs> he was a big time liar. And then uh, at that time he was going to school for engineering. And I remember him telling me, and I remember this because at the time he told me, I have no clue what he was talking about. And then he was telling me, oh yeah, this game is so immersive. It's so complex that you have to solve integrals just to, you know, find the solution. And at that time I was like, what the hell is an integral? And not until I went to school, it's like, oh, I know what an integral now is. <laughs> but I know he was lying. I watched him play for a little bit and then I got bored because I got too violent. So With me, of course, I've been a fan of zombies for much of my life and I definitely had an interest when I first heard about Resident Evil, but I don't think I played it until Resident Evil 2 and I think what it was is either I bought it or uh, my friends uh, Mac and Vic bought it, the brothers, and what we would do is uh, they had got the strategy game, uh, sorry, the strategy magazine, the book that they used to always mm -hmm. sell. There's a whole industry of, of books explaining how to play the games and so we all three of us would get together and we'd have the book for when we got stuck and we just basically took turns playing it and it was great because we were all pretty much equally involved in the game and because we weren't watching another person play the game when we weren't actively playing ourselves we were watching the person who was taking their turn playing the same character as us we're all going through the same levels and trying to work out the same problems and getting scared when jump scares and stuff would happen that we were just all really invested in it it's one of the best experiences I've had with gaming in my life because I love Resident Evil too much so much uh, not only did I if I didn't already own my own copy I bought my own copy and then I went backwards and I bought the first Resident Evil and I, I like that fairly well but I, not as good as Resident Evil 2 in fact it's still considered the best of the, all the games made because you had two discs and on one disc you would play as Claire Redfield and on the other disc you'd play, uh, play as Leon S. Kennedy and depending on which disc you started first and what you did while you were playing the game as one character would impact the second disc play where you're doing the same we're doing it as another character so if some person got a healing potion in this section then you didn't have that one and you had to go find something else for yourself mm. so you didn't you were potentially robbing from yourself or disadvantaging yourself it, depending on how you played a, a particular game so very involving lots of replay value they had a uh, little side games and you could unlock a thing called uh, hunks hunks quest i think it was called where you're playing one of the evil umbrella stormtroopers and they're having to make their way through a gauntlet in a short span of time i had rooms that were just absolutely filled with zombies <laughs> in the in the games you didn't typically have a lot of instances where you'd just be overwhelmed by huge numbers of zombies it would usually be an accumulative thing but with some with hunks run you would actually walk in a room and there'd be nothing but zombies and you'd be just overwhelmed great gameplay the first game i like fine but it wasn't as into the characters and it was just the first version so it wasn't as well a, a, a developed so yeah i have a great affection for the resident evil games and ended up playing them up through like the fourth or fifth game and then i pretty much got out of video gaming in general how many resident evil games are they well i, I was curious so i looked at a, a list of the top resident evil games and they showed like a top 10 and i realized oh, wow. pretty quickly that they was only doing the top 10 there were more than 10 so probably more in the realm of like 15 to 20 games total since uh, 1996 I believe it was because my understanding is that they celebrated the 25th anniversary of the games this year but I'm not sure if they're talking about the American version Resident Evil or the original Japanese version called Biohazard and also the fact that I didn't start playing the games until Resident Evil 2 I'm not so much concerned about meeting the 25th anniversary criteria because I wasn't there for the actual anniversary the actual launch of the game now I'm also a fan of the movie series and I know you've seen at least some of those movies but you were telling me you'd only actually seen one the theater so I only remember seeing I think I saw or half saw it um, one or two in the movies I do remember one it was one of the latest one um, I think
think the one is that they were in Tokyo. Um, the one that with the when the main girl, I don't, I don't even remember the name. We're, of the girl. we're in the square, the famous Japanese square that we yeah, visited the, in the past. Yeah, the one that is a lot of people. The the crossing, mm-hmm. uh, there was just like this massive amount of people. Yeah, so we yeah we went there, <laughs> yeah. and I, that's the only one. And the only thing that I remember is that in a train. But as you explained to me after, is like saying that all the reason he, all the Resident Evils have trains, <laughs> so it's not much. In. And and the only thing that I remember aside from the crossing, the train, it was Michelle Rodriguez because I really like that actress. Um, but she appeared in a number of them too, so yeah. it's not that. I, I'm pretty confident that the one you saw was five uh, because we would have seen it theatrically, we would have seen it in 3D, and that was the one that was sort of like the the recap where because of circumstances within that particular movie, they're showing you sequences from the other movies and also these sort of what if scenarios of how things might have gone differently and it was just sort of an odd entry um but i thought that you'd at least gone back to seeing the first one with me like watching it on dvd or on cable or something maybe i have factor. but i maybe i didn't pay too much attention because that those are not my, my kind of movies i can watch zombie movies but you know zombies with too much violence and stuff and it's not like aliens that is you know it, it has more story to it although the resident evils i'm guessing they have story but not so much not really yeah, not so, much. so it's just like a hot chick running with weapons and action and and all that zombie scares like boo I'm here all of them so yeah so that's not kind of my my kind of movie it's like fast pacing fast moving pow 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 boom boom oh train the dogs so oh, I I did I did remember the dogs as well yeah the dogs are in most of the movies too so yes. not not really exactly uh, so it is just like the same things over so that's why I don't remember which movie I saw because they all seem to be the same movie and maybe if I saw the first one or the second one. I'm confusing to the one that I saw in the movie theater because they all look the same. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, and, and again, there were sequences <laughs> in five that are replicating sequences from the previous movies. And if you tell me what is the plot of the movies, it's like I'm like the basic of the movies I know that is uh, this umbrella corporation that tried to do experiments, and that's it. Like mm-hmm. seriously, because it's like in into the entire movies, do, do they go into deep detail on what is happening, or once again, it's just action zombies, a hot chick running and doing this acrobatic shit mostly that i mean there there is a story but it's so convoluted and confused and unnecessary you know that it, it, nobody's really overly concerned about it so and that's actually one of the things that hurt the last one was that they were trying to resolve all the mysteries and it's like the, the series was never really that much into resolving all the mysteries it's really about action set pieces and such exactly so that's not my kind of movie at all so that's why i don't remember any of the movie so and then when when you mentioned that you want to see this one and on the movie theater on the this new one i'm just like okay well i guess if there is popcorn although we're in the pandemic therefore i'm not freely eating popcorn and that's why we end up going in the middle of the night you know when there's not that many people for which i was grateful for that because i was able to eat a popcorn well that and because there's somewhat last minute you know I, I was watching this one screening and up to us leaving there was literally no one else in the theater i was hoping we we're gonna have another neon demon experience where we literally would be the only ones there but by the time it was all said and done there was probably Probably something along the lines of a half dozen of us, roughly. All spread out. Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, because it was a rush job, I ended up eating in the theater itself, which not brilliant. That was a circumstance. And the food was actually decent, <laughs> given you know burgers and hot Except dogs. Except for stuff. the after during the night. <laughs> well, I, I see. I've always been feeling kind of un, under uh, the weather to begin with. Um. So and of course, as soon as I was done eating, I made sure to put the mask on because there were some people coughing in there. <laughs> yes, I did. Concerned. When I heard that, I stopped eating the popcorn and I put my mask on. But I did was no 
noticing the people uh, around it and they were kind of far away from us. Right. So I think the the seats that you chose, I was grateful because it was people all spread. It, it was like not even near like 20 feet. Or, you know, th- they were kind of 20 feet away from us. Yeah. It, it's a situation where I'm still not entirely comfortable going to movie theaters, period. And certainly not crowded ones and certainly not crowded ones where I'm going to be eating. So I'm, I'm real particular about the circumstances of that. And thankfully, it still worked out reasonably well. Fingers mm-hmm. crossed. The irony of getting sick from a movie about biological weapons and stuff, too too strong, too great. The, the, you know, <laughs> yeah. didn't, didn't make me happy. Typically, I'll see the movies with my guys because we'd seen all the movies. But because this is a reboot, it's kind of a fresh start. And the simple fact is that I'm confident that the guys don't care about these movies anymore and they don't want to watch them anymore. I think the one that we went to see in the movie theater in the past, I think we went with your friends. Okay. I think we went with Mac and Victor. Okay, maybe so. But I, I didn't feel like they probably wanted to deal with this anymore and I still have enough affection for Resident Evil movies that I was game to go ahead and check this one out. And even though, to my chagrin, only in theaters, because I've just i been perfectly happy to have seen this at home. Uh, the fact is, I've seen every Resident Evil movie in the movie theater, every live action movie I should specify. They've done a number of CGI movies and I've only seen some of those because the ones I did see were lousy. But I, I kind of wanted to keep up the streak too. So for this series, I, I went ahead and I took the, the shot. So do you want to tell folks a little bit about what Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City is about? The one that we just went to see. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, so me being fresh new, I didn't know anything about the movie itself, this new this new movie. I thought it was going to be a continuation, another Mila Bokovic. Another installment, yeah. Yeah, so, and I know that you have really the hearts for Mila. I mean, she's a pretty woman, so yeah, very, very fit. So I thought it was just going to be her, and my hope is like, well, maybe it's going to be Michelle Rodriguez in there. Mm-hmm. So I went in with absolutely zero knowledge of it, and I think on the way to the movie theater, I did ask you if Mila was going to be in there and then you're like no it's like all brand new people okay so I thought it's going to be a continuation or like afterwards or a prequel I have no clue right so we go into the movie theater and of course the trailer was really good because my boy Ethan Hawke wasn't the new one the, the black telephone I think is called yeah the the same people who did Sinister which if you haven't seen is one of the best horror movies of the 21st century yes uh, so of course we don't expect this to be that but it, it still uh, looked pretty good look pretty solid I'm sure we'll see that one probably theatrically you think oh yes I mean yeah. it's Ethan Hawke come mm-hmm. on <laughs> well it's not like we see everything Ethan Hawke but Ethan Hawke in the right movie you'll want to see yes and and then we also saw the trailer M- Morbius yeah the living vampire so- which is funny because I actually tried to get you to watch that because I thought uh, the, the soundtrack selection would uh, well but the thing is that I, I just don't like whenever I you make me watch stuff on command you know mm-hmm. it's like I have to feel it see it if you just go like no come and see it I just have this you know reaction of like no I'm not gonna see it I don't wanna see it now so yeah so I was watching it it's actually a pretty good trailer and I have a mixed feelings about Jared Leto but the thing that the tra- trailer warned me is like the actual song that they were playing People Are Strange from The Doors so, it was The Doors version too wasn't it okay. I think so I mean it was kinda because they were slower mm-hmm. it's not the original the normal the one that sings out in the, in, it's in the album it's all chopped and screwed or whatever Yeah, <laughs> but yeah but it's kinda slow very slow moving and I, it's one of my favorite songs so I was like, oh, this is actually pretty good. But yeah. anyhow, the movie. Well, it, it just gets me because it famously that song was used in the Lost Boys soundtrack. I think it might have even been in, in the trailer, but it was not the Doors version. It was, hmm. I think, uh, Psychedelic Furs or Let's Fit Love, some, somebody like that, that. Yeah, I I thought it was Jim Jim Morrison. It sounded it. If not, that they were tra- they were aiming to sound like Jim. They were right. They were trying, but I, I I'm known for liking comic books and superheroes and stuff, but I'm also a big horror fan. It's been an itch I've been wanting to scratch recently, and even though 
I don't have high hopes for Morbius. The combination of superheroes and horror has got my interest enough that where I, I want to check that one out as well. Because I'm really sick of Marvel product at this point. Me too. And any variation on that where it's, uh, it's still tying into the universe, but it's giving us a different take, a different angle, that, that helps to keep my interest up. Yes, and I am glad that Jared Leto is not playing that fucking Joker with his grill. Oh, disgusting. Yeah, yeah. He's, he, he's got yeah. a redemption arc, uh, hopefully, coming. Because if not, then that's going to be a real drag. I, I hated his Joker. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a love and hate with him. Jordan Catalano, I know. I mean, yeah, I love Jordan Catalano. And in some of the other movies, I, I really like it. I mean, come on, it's a, such a pretty guy. Such a pretty guy. But I know he's a little bit out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it is kind of like a love and hate kind of situation. <laughs> Anyhow, so we go into the movie. I don't absolutely nothing know about this movie. Don't know what the time frame. I don't know absolutely nothing. And the first thing they show it was 1998. Wait, it was 1998 when the kids were in the orphanage? No, or that no. was 1998 when they were adults? The movie is set in 1998. There's a flashback. I think one of the first scenes were with the kids, right? Yeah, I want to say it opens with the kids at the orphanage. At, so at I, the orphanage. And I think that's why they're not telling you the date up front, if I remember correctly. Because I don't remember they remember saying that it's 1980-something or 1990, early 90s. I don't like we got a date until they actually start the proper narrative so this is just like a cold flashback where you're i think you're supposed to be disoriented yeah so to me i I, want to say that material isn't from the games if it is from the games i want to say it must be later in the series after i stop playing them so yeah so i don't know anything about so i I, for me being disoriented didn't tell me anything because i don't know anything so the first thing that they show it was this two boy and a girl probably like around you know 10 11 or something like that they were all uh sleeping and and apparently the girl sneaking you know to be with the with the boy their brother and, and sister and it started good actually you know it, it grabbed my uh, attention so we went late I was already sleepy and you know me I can sleep through noise and bang bangs and stuff like that so I thought that I was gonna just fall asleep but it caught my attention because uh, the girl was seeing this weird figure in the corner and it just looked so scary enough that I was just like huh that's interesting and then it was just the girl just kind of go like is somebody there and the boy is like no you dreamed it you know just just you know go back to sleep and stuff I don't I don't remember if you mentioned it or not but this is at an orphanage a at city orphanage, orphanage yeah. and they're they're just like it's like a hospital wing sort of kind of or, or like a typical movie orphanage where it's a bunch of beds next to each other I think bunk beds weren't bunk they? beds yeah yeah so it's just like rows and rows of kids and so you only got this one little girl in this dark room seeing this shadowy figure visiting her they're all sleeping yeah and so she's the, she's the one who sees it and the and the brother is like no it's, it's nobody there but the girl gets up a bit when the well I think that they they this has happened before too yes and that's part of why the brother's dismissive about it it's like the uh, the woman showed up again or the woman is here so the brother is like yeah yeah you just ruminate you're not, you're not seeing anything so like you say it's, it seems that that has already happened in the past so then they, they go into this cut scene and then they go into the next one where she goes into this I guess it's like a toy room or something for the orphanage where there's a tent and then she's walking very slowly slowly and I like that they don't put like this massive tense music like I hate on horror movies when they go like yes. it's time for you to be scared yeah like they, well they did the do like a sing song lullaby thing at parts but I don't think in that I think in that part they were letting the silence work for the moment mm-hmm. yes another thing that I kind of dropped my uh, attention to is that everything was so so subtle not jumps it was and then they were taking a long time for each scene for the girl to walk into like this kind of sort of tent and then she would 
just walking slow and there was no like rush 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 or anything like violence woo blah, you know like like the last the latest it movie you know mm-hmm. it was more like letting me enjoy like the suspense on what is gonna be inside that tent and so she opens it and it sees the like this this mysterious woman having a mask but they didn't show too much of her well the mask appears to be made out of somebody else's face yeah and then it has like a double face so it was like half of the face the woman's face uh in the open but then it's like the the mask was showing like the other face was facing on the per, uh peripheral of this face right of the head so but they didn't go into too much detail so you just saw the woman and then at that time the director i guess of the orphanage came in oh what are you doing here and then the brother showed up in the middle and then they're just saying like oh no no she's just asleep uh, sleepwalking you know since her parents die and you know the brother trying to protect the little sister and the director is like oh okay good then you guys can go um and then on the next scene is then when they went to sleep and i think it was on the same night right it was like at the same night and the director is like yeah we're just gonna take you to some place you you're being adopted and the girl is like what about my brother oh he will come too blah blah blah. and the girl is just like kind of afraid and that's what the cut scene you know that's that's when the and then they show like this outside of the orphanage um you know it says umbrella orphanage or raccoon orphanage raccoon city or orphanage yeah or something like that i I don't know if it was the letters the lighting or what but they appeared to have like a a rainbow of colors throughout the letters yes it did have because they was ominously lit they just made it more creepy than did you know uh kid friendly yes it did have a colors letters because whenever they came back later on in the movie they show the same coloring um afterwards so yeah so that was you have a nice contrast because you've got out this burnt out industrial town and this one little section that's colorful but the colors are against like fading chip paint and you know this rough looking exterior so it's like even in trying to make things nice it just added more of a a creepy flair to Mm -hmm. it yeah Yeah. and that's a storyline they play with throughout the movie but it doesn't really pay off but what they make it clear is that the little girl is suspicious of the orphanage and the director specifically that she seemed like she almost had something bad happen to her but she doesn't and then at some point later on she does run away but it seems like she runs away when she's older so it's no, a thing yeah so so they so they didn't get into too much detail at all yeah you wonder if after... maybe they were saving it for a sequel or something but it, it never really well, felt no, resolved no it was afterwards they they actually mentioned afterwards because that that was a cut scene where she when they were taking her outside the room where they were sleeping right that they that you're gonna get adopted and later on your brother's gonna come along she seemed very very suspicious but that was the cut you know so you don't know what's gonna happen to this girl and then the, the next scene it was the scene annoying scene with the cops you know in the in, in the diner or it was the girl in the uh in the trailer in the truck i want to say the truck first it was a truck first okay so yeah so, so this is where we're introduced to claire redfield who is uh the one of the protagonists of the second game and she was a little girl grown up she's played by kaya scodelario uh who i think is best known for being in the maze runner movies i wasn't familiar with her before this movie so it was one of the things that gave me some apprehension going in that the majority of this cast i was not that familiar it was with Mila. Yeah, that it wasn't Mila. No Mila, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have that Mila safety net where it's like, at least I'm going to get Mila in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, so they so they is showing her being on a on a truck. Yeah, with, big rig with a trucker who's handsy with her. Yeah, and then the thing is, is that I I hate seeing people eat. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, well, especially when they eat and say, sexually harassed at the same time. And then they eat and talk, and uh, also not looking at the road while they're driving in yes. the rain on a back road. I was like, to me, that's kind of like a most horrific thing I saw in the whole movie. I'm just mm-hmm. kidding. No, but it was me. I just closed my eyes and I'm just like, okay, dude, stop fucking chewing your burger. 
her and sexually harassed this girl, you know. Um, but anyhow, so they were just, you know, going into like, oh, so yeah, kind of sexual harassing her. And, and then she Why do just, you want to stay? Don't stay in Raccoon City. Keep Stay on the road with me, baby. And that kind of bullshit. Yeah. And then she's a shithole town. Everybody's getting out of there now. Kind of rolling her eyes, kind of going like, oh, typical fucking guys, you know, horny guys, assholes, girls, disgusting. Anyhow, so, and then when they were going into this whole thing, uh, when he put his hand on her tide and um, she was like, careful, you know, screaming. And then it was this body just walking in the middle of the road because it was, they were not in the city. They were like yeah, in a highway. Right. Or like they're in the a, woods. They're, in the, they're they out there the like woods. a wooded road. And the, the, the person is a, a woman dressed in what appears to be a hospital gown. Yes. So you get the sense that maybe there's an asylum or something that she might be an escapee from or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they end up hitting her. And of course they got out and the guy started freaking out, like crying, baby, oh my God, oh my God. You know, and the girl is like, oh, come on. Well, she's trying to see if she can actually help her if you're you know I mean, yeah so given, like, the, given was, all the blood all over the grill i don't think she was going to be able to help her any but she's trying at least but at least she's like keeping the calm not like this fucking you know oh my god oh you know stuff like that anyhow so yeah so um and while they were arguing and stuff like that the dog for which it has to be a uh what is it doberman a doberman yeah it's like when i saw that dog in the trailer like oh there you go that's the dog they always uh, have to have one of those dogs mm-hmm. um the door the door the dog is started barking and he got out of the truck and they when they looked to see where where the dog has been to the lady was gone you know the actually when they were arguing the lady just got up and just kept walking yeah well they didn't they didn't see the body just disappeared no they i think they show the woman moving they know what it is is later on before she gets back into the truck claire looks out into the woods and she sees uh, the lady out there in the woods looking back at her i do remember her moving actually getting up and and well i think it was one of those instances where they weren't looking and she did the zombie move where all of a sudden she's like reanimating but i don't think they saw her do that okay and then the next thing she's gone they didn't saw her but but we did see that um so yeah so she's gone and they're like well i guess it's just gonna be that bad if she's gone and and claire is like well we we need to go check it out the guy is like no no i'm good uh but at that time the dog started licking the blood of the woman who got hit off the pavement yeah out of the pavement so i was just like oh there you go Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know so at that point i was already like okay typical movie that's sounds good not too impressed so i was starting like well maybe i'm going to fall asleep in this movie <laughs> they finally get into the next scene where the cops they were in the diner yeah it's a little bit tricky because they closely associate the local raccoon city police department with the stars and the stars is a, a like a swat team that's specific to umbrella like they if i recall correctly they work specifically with umbrella or they're financed by umbrella through the raccoon pd but there was always this sort of partition between the stars these elite guys and the regular cop and to some degree they demonstrate that by having these cops in a diner in a small enough town where it might probably be the only diner and there's a rookie cop who's asleep at the bar uh, uh, and they're like putting ketchup containers on his head and talking about who can shoot the ketchup off the guy and the girl they're going to try to do the shooting is actually about ready to whip out her gun and they're like no 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 what are you psycho shoot him with the little um, rubber stip rubber mm-hmm. gun the, the with the rubber arrow you know the, uh, the suction, suction cup uh, uh-huh. gun yeah um and so, yeah, it's a whole thing with that that's not really worth getting into because that's where I started to get kind of worried because all the cops were really obnoxious and it was starting to feel like, you know, action movie bullshit. So that to me, what, what the what the truck driver, it started really good in the orphanage because they had like that nice suspense, that, that, that nice of, you know, taking your time to get you there, to get you that estate. And then they go into the trucker that it was pretty obvious, pretty lame. And then it goes into this diner. And like you say, it was pretty obnoxious fucking guy you know oh 
oh, 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 I'll pay you $20. You cannot do that. You know, and then the guys just start making fun of the rookie. And, and it's just like this, you know, toxic male mm-hmm. cops, I guess. I don't yeah. know, you know. So I was getting kind of annoyed about that. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to sleep after all. <laughs> um, and yeah, so apparently, so that's, that's one of the things that also bothered me a little bit. Because I'm like, okay, so this guy's, at first I didn't know they were cops. The ones in the diner. Yeah, they're on all, they're they're not in uniform or anything. They were in, in civilian and, and they, clothes. they have a paramilitary thing going on too. That's why oh, his stars yeah. are different. Ugh. So they're not really cops. But I mean, nowadays, I mean, it's like at, at that time, I think at that point they established it was 1998. Yeah. Um, but it's like living into there now, how many times they want to be all that military and they dress like that just to be vigilantes. Mm-hmm. <sighs> like militia or something. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I was just like, okay, that, that, that fucking toxic attitude, you know, so I thought there was this guys, I thought there were civilians just want to be militia, you know? So that's why I start rolling my eyes on that. And then you have this newbie cop that at first is like, is he a cop? Because he looks like a security from a mall or something. Mm -hmm. So I I wasn't sure. Then there's two other cops showed up, dressed entirely different from the newbie. So at first it's like, okay, so what's going on? Is he's the security, the newbie's the security, this guy's are the cop, and this guy's are just like friends from the town? So I, I started trying, and then when I realize no they're all cops and i'm like what the fuck how many cops it has this tiny little town dude you well, know and that's just is, a I, nice I, I, don't, I don't know how small the town is supposed to be i want to say it's more like a detroit situation where it's just like run down and rough but maybe at one point was a major place or it might just be because between the games and uh the movies the other movies have built up raccoon city because it's a pretty sizable metropolitan area in the games and in particular when you're playing the games and you're having to go like block to block survival you get a sense of it being a large city um, so here they play it more like it's in the, like redneck you know in the deep woods and a shit small town, but yeah. it's still a decent decent well, looking but they town didn't show, it's it hard is. to tell it's hard to tell so it didn't make any logic if it's a large decent city then I was gonna say okay so this is little uh, I but say if like, it's like I a small it's like town a, I always thought it was a small town yeah I wanna say it's like a Detroit or, or a, a, um, like a half a million a million people I don't yeah, know yeah something like that oh that's way too mm-hmm. okay well anyhow but it is just makes sense now a little bit because at first it's like I thought it was a small town and then you have like all these people with a helicopter and then like this elite SWAT team plus the cop plus this newbie that I don't know if it's a security or an actual cop that well, is dressed th- different from this other people you, you could make the case that there might be that heavy of an authoritative presence because you've got a corrupt a pharmaceutical chemical company based yeah there. but I didn't know that right okay so this is me going in into a movie that you're, still, you're confused and they're not explaining it very well to exactly you. Okay. so I don't know I always until now until you explain to me about the the, uh, lar- uh, the extent of the city I always thought it was a small town from that movie yeah right so at first it's like okay well their attitudes they're different a lot of cops and a lot of in one little diner and it's just to me I was like okay well I, this is gonna be a bad movie uh, well and you'd have the bit too where um, the waitress start crying blood well but then that was afterwards right? that was with the newbie right yeah. after they all left you know ho oh, oh, let's go because we go see the chief you know that fucking macho attitude um, and then the newbie was a, was a good looking guy um, they start talking to the to the waitress waitress yeah and then that was like that's when I started making good again because of those little details because they're talking like you know normal people yeah no don't worry oh, and don't and don't hit on the girl because it's like the big guys you know blah blah so don't get yourself in trouble and then she just out of the blue started like bleeding from the eye but from the what what do you call this like little corner here mm-hmm. yeah where, where the tears come up you know start b- 
bleeding, but it looks so freaky. And uh, the guy was just like, oh, is something wrong with your eye? And then just the way she just wiped it out, like, oh, no, I've just been doing it for the last couple of weeks. But you can sense that something was off with this lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, okay, well, that was that was interesting. Well, something they, they established throughout the movie is that this town lived and ultimately died on the money the umbrella brought to them. And so there's this sense of denial. No, there's nothing wrong. Everything's great. Umbrella's a great corporation. They take care of us. And so these people aren't getting checked out by the doctors like most to and they're just in denial it seems well, like. Well no because also there was uh, when the swap team or the lead group was, was there the tall guy was saying something about oh yeah wipe down this map you know let's let's leave this town who who cares just close down the whole town and the waitress is like oh come on don't 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 mess with my town. Don't yeah, mess I grew with up Rocky. here you know this is my town yeah. Yeah so anyhow so that was the end of that scene for which I thought that that last part with the blood the way it is that, that they didn't like oh my god blood is coming out of your rear right. you know like just those action movies that they always want to exaggerate the reactions of everything for which I fucking hate so just the fact that the, that the newbie guy told the waitress like oh there is blood coming out and it's just see like this a small moving with the lady just touching it and oh yeah it's been doing it for the last two weeks you know like that normal talk instead of just you know that, that kind of brought me back in into the movie so I'm like oh okay well I don't know with the orphanage was good and now this little scene kind of saved the entire scene of those assholes in the diner so next scene it was like when the truck driver was dropping off uh, Claire that's her name yeah Claire into this uh, small house and she just keep knocking it's like hey what was the name of the brother I don't remember uh, Chris is the brother and when nobody answers which is nice and this is clearly well they, they give you time stamps so I want to say this is probably like say 9-ish or 10-ish at night mm-hmm. so it would make sense that he'd be up and about at that point in time but when he's not he uses a knife break in and you know he's a little freaked out when he comes downstairs to see who's you know Forward broken that- into his house for that that kind of annoyed me because I'm sorry if you're a cop and you're already getting ready to go to, to your shift and you don't hear people actually knocking in multiple yeah, windows and multiple door, door. Yeah. Yeah. for that little house I can understand if it's like a large mansion or something but that little tiny house especially in 1998 when, they're the, well, when they didn't because, like, have that, a, that very good soundproof you know yeah. situation and I was like oh come on you cannot hear this well I think they were setting up that he was in the shower if I remember correctly ah, okay well that yeah. makes sense I yeah. probably yeah. missed that. Uh, so now it and, was, and he, he's uh, impressed that she was able to pick a deadbolt with a, a knife like that mm-hmm. and is concerned about what has she been getting up to since she ran away. They haven't been talking and I don't know if they... They, they did talk after she le- ran away from the orphanage. Very little though. Because he said that the last time he saw her it was five years. Mm-hmm. And now she probably was, I don't know, like he early figured, 20s. He, yeah, she, she's back in town and no, I mean the actors in this movie are because I, I, I checked I was curious the, the majority of the actors are right at 20 late like 28 to 32 they're all around the same age group so no they're not kids anymore and i don't think they're playing kids either okay so the so the actual characters are around the late 20s early 30s well in, in the the games i would say probably closer to early to mid 20s the actors are in their late 20s well, and early but 30s. yeah but you have a save like the bell uh a save of the bell sure, in, yeah. in greece I, i'll give you that so let, let's say that they're in their early 20s the characters are uh, to me they look like the brother was 
mid-twenties, maybe because I'm old now. I see mm-hmm. everybody like a little kid. Yeah. But uh, to me, the brother was like maybe 28, 27, you know, 29. The girl- well, he, And he's also a uh, naive, true believer in the Umbrella Corporation. He grew up in their orphanage system. He was, quote unquote, adopted by the director of the orphanage, William Birkin. Uh, he joined their cop squad. He's part of the elite squad. So he's still 100% team Umbrella and has never appreciated Claire's skepticism and uh, issues with authority and everything else because he literally is the authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, so- and I, probably a good time to point out too, the actor playing Chris Redfield is Robbie Amell. Uh, he, you, you might remember him from The Duff. Do you remember that movie? So that was him. Yeah. Okay, I was trying the entire movie trying to figure like, where did I see this guy before? Yeah. Okay. And then comic book fans would, would know him from the first season or early seasons of The Flash when he was uh, pl- playing Firestorm. Okay. You know, uh, uh, Roy Raymond or Ronnie Raymond, sorry. And, uh, you know, just kind of your typical handsome bohunk type of guy. And for me, that's probably the best casting of the movie because the Chris Redfield of the game was just this big, you know, <laughs> football type guy. So it seemed like a good match between the two of them. Yeah. So they go into this, uh, uh, they talking about, oh, yeah, I haven't seen you for, for, for five years. You know, you've been, since you run away, I haven't spoken to you in five years. And then she starts talking about, like, the reason why she came back. Oh, the brother asking, why are, are you back? And, and, uh, sister Claire was telling him because there's something is about to happen or something is good. Like, something was weird with Raccoon City and she want to make sure that, you know, uh, one thing brother. they end up revealing, and I don't know, I don't, I think she was in the tape early on, but basically she has an informant within Raccoon City, within the Umbrella Corporation, that's talking about how these guys are, are basically, not only are they pulling up out of the town, but they're either intentionally dumping or having leaks that are, that's going to literally kill the town, that this guy's had exposure, which doesn't entirely make sense because I, I thought he was with Umbrella, but maybe it's a situation where he was a, an observer or a journalist or something. But uh, basically he's been keeping her apprised through the internet of what's been happening in Raccoon City. And so she's back to try to, to either deal with it or get her brother out or whatever. It's, it's I, To me, I, think, I never find it very clear why she comes back. And to me, I would think that the ideal thing would be to stay the fuck away. And the only thing that makes sense to me is that she's there to try to get her brother out. Well, yeah, she she, she was trying to convince the brother. And he to, won't listen. Yeah, of course. But one of the things that a little bit of 1998 humor when Claire is like, yeah, I was talking to this guy in chat room. And the brother's like, what is a chat room? And the kids of 2021 are also like, what's a chat room? Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Know, uh, very narrow window of relevancy there. And that's something I do have to say too. I, I really appreciated all the nods toward period uh, elements. It can get downright fetishistic at times, but they have a number of songs from the time period. They have, you know, a guy playing Snake on his Nokia phone. They've got all these different references and stuff. It, it's They clearly made an effort to set the movie in roughly the same time span as the games. And that was appreciated. Uh, it still feels a little early for 90s nostalgia, but my understanding is that it's already a thing. And the oh, movie definitely plays for like that. Almost 20, like, like 20, 22, 23 years. Roughly 25 years, given that that's when the game came out. Yeah. I know. So, and, and what it was funny to me too, um, the hilariousness of it is like, they were talking about the chat rooms, right? That she's talking to this guy during the chat room. And then she pulls out of this VHS cassette and it started playing like this, uh, video recording of the guy explaining what is going on with Raccoon City about the leaks, about injecting something into the water. I'm assuming he mailed that to her. I don't think that the, I don't know. I don't that. know. That's, that's what I, I think understood that, that, that she actually got 
a recorder with, with this guy. And the entire time, I'm just thinking, how do you end up actually recording back then on a VHS? I'm, I mean, I'm trying right. to figure uh, it out. G- given how long it took you to stream the trailer for The Phantom Menace, I, I can definitely see where you couldn't get like a three minutes of exposition. I, you know, I seriously they didn't was, have YouTube back I was then. distracted more about trying to figure out how did this guy manage to actually record through in the chat room and put it on a, yeah. on a VHS. I, so no, the I don't buy it. Time, yeah. The entire time, I am actually trying to like remember him back in the day, what technology was back in the day, if it was possible or not. That I, I almost missed half the conversation that, that he was having about the leak and everything because of that little... She she pulled the VHS tape out of a manila envelope. So I guarantee you that he mailed her the tape. I hope that was the case, but that's what I didn't get. But okay. Anywho. Um, so yeah, so so they so go... I, I think because I, I don't want to dwell on the minutiae because we're kind of going like literal like scene by scene with the movie. The short version is that as with the video games and this is where they start to more properly adapt oh, the video that games. Was the, like just let me finish this okay. one little thing because the rest of me was just action pew pew pum pum yeah. that I don't gotcha. care. Okay. Um, and another thing that caught my attention is when the uh, Clarice was trying to get into the brother's house you know trying to call him and stuff like that she looked over at the next house and there was this guy this little kid with this hair almost fall down like he had some kind of cancer yeah um and then he's just like looking like all pale and everything and he just waved and then she waved back and then she looked at the other window no 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 and and the mom kind of dragged him the kid out so that scene that scene was like really good it was scary enough that it was just like fantastic and that was another scene that i like when the brother left right you know kind of like oh you put put yourself together and if you leave you're just locked behind blah blah oh no that's when the sirens start going i like that part too a lot mm-hmm. when the sirens start going into the whole the emergency town. alarm throughout the town imagine yeah. if you actually and i started to think imagine if you actually inside the house like we're here right now and that start coming out of the out of nowhere i'll be petrified yeah so that was another little touch that i really like a lot well especially we live in a plant town and so i'm sure there are houses uh, nearer to the plants that have experience oh, no, it like does. that I, it, it does like if there's something going on there is a, actually an emergency alarm system that lasts like every month or so to 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 just kind of let people know about the plants if something is going on they will so and that's what it caught me like okay that was kind of like really freaky right uh and then the claire was going inside the house and then the mom was just there like the mom that i was talking about with the with the little boy in the same way like her hair is almost falling down pale what's weird too is they have a number of gingers i almost think they're leaning into the whole south park gingers have no souls thing they're all red red toned hair as well yeah so and then it's just like she just showed up and and what is she wrote on the door with like the blood itchy tasty which is right out of one of the games okay well i didn't know that but that was like really freaky because i'm trying to well she wrote in blood on the 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 windscreen the 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 screen door door. yeah Yeah, so and i was trying to like read it backwards and then they just like and just her standing there without doing absolutely nothing that was like really creepy to me and i love scary movies and then she looked and there was a the the little boy under the under the table and he was just doing something about like you're in danger or something is gonna happen i think she goes up to him and says something like do you need a doctor and he's like you need a doctor or something like it was that was so freaking Mm -hmm. and the thing that 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 caught me the most is that they actually took a time to slow get into that sense of like holy shit holy shit and and if you if you remember i actually squeezed your hands when this woman started breaking into the glass and, and it's like i was like oh shit oh shit because it was so scary i was thinking about the 
boy coming out too. Right. So that one of the things was like, okay, well, I guess I'm not going to be able to sleep in this movie because <laughs> I'm actually enjoying the slowness of it. It is not just like, bam, bam, boom, boom, bam, ah, dude, ah. Yeah. It was more like very slow silence, very like subtle music on the background, just like a decent scary movie. So, And that was one of the things that was so revolutionary about the original Resident Evil games and something they got away from, unfortunately, which is part of the reason why I got away from the games, was that you would definitely have scares from things leaping at you and noises and things. But also you'd have those quiet moments where you're doing research and you're finding somebody's diary and you're reading through it and you're seeing somebody's been bitten and you know what that means and you're seeing their slow mental deterioration as they're trying to write in the diary and it's becoming more and more incomprehensible. And I think that's where the line itchy tasty comes from. Mood. Such a hallmark of those games. And I know there are other games that did similar things, but either the balance wasn't right or just wasn't what I was exposed to because this is the one that made the big explosion. Like, I would honestly say because the, the I think the end of the zombies cultural relevance prior to Resident Evil was say 1984's Return of the Living Dead. They did make multiple sequels and they did do other movies in that time period but really the heyday of the zombies was the 70s and I think it kind of crested in the 80s and there was this long period where they just weren't in and where even something as uh, seminal as Day of the Dead by George Romero was a bomb. Um, It took Resident Evil to start rebuilding zombies as the franchise they would become while there were definitely other vectors in in making zombies the the big thing in the 2000s. It really begins with Resident Evil in 96, I would say. But the thing is about you say, uh, to me, I just still don't see them as full-blown zombies. I don't Mm -hmm. know why. You know, it's like, for example, the movie Wreck. Mm -hmm. Magnificent movie. But you can see more or less that they're zombies too, but there is like not the typical zombie, oh, I'm gonna eat your brains. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. So that's what I never seen Resident Evil. I know they're zombie-like and they're zombies, but it's just more like sinister, more more something beyond that. I, I don't know. Um, the, yeah, the, the, I, they're more classically they're, like they're zombies in the earlier dead. movies. Yes, or they're, in the not earlier like, games are they're not like Walking Dead zombies or just like those uh, George Romero zombies, I guess. You know, they're more something happened and I don't know. It, it's, it is hard to explain. Yeah. But anyhow, so that's why I like about some some of these scenes that they just took their time to kind of go into that pace to kind of give you information, not just by screaming at you or just, dude, come on, dude. Oh, okay over man sorry <laughs> uh, but it's more like it, it, it kind of gives you like you say the diary and, and or, or these little scenes yeah okay, and that's can... something that's something they had trouble with in the Paul W.S. Anderson movies is they were just too action oriented yep. and so even though you'd have gore and you'd have monsters it was always the thing that you were going to shoot your gun at as opposed to something that caused any kind of fear response and this one it wasn't too much gore yeah. for which it was funny yeah I mean it was but it wasn't too too much it was used well yes yeah. it was enough for me to, like it was enough off of everything. Yeah. Well, was- one, of the, one of the things I think is important is that they keep it grounded and so when you see something gross or monstrous, it's contrasted against the way things ought to be. You know, like you said with the, the waitress earlier is the people are having measured correct responses because they still in their, they're still in a, a real world, a normal world. This isn't like the post-zombie apocalypse where people are used to shooting at each other and scavenging for food and all that kind of shit. We're still in a civilization. You know, this is still mm-hmm. a society that we live in and they're acting like that. And so you've got that ambiguity about how am I supposed to respond to these things this isn't a zombie that's smashing through a window this is a sick woman who's having some kind of a mental breakdown mm-hmm. and so it's going to change how you respond to brain. it yeah. yeah so and that's what I'm saying it's not like a typical zombie that, that you actually see that progression of you know is sick and then it just goes into the deterioration just like you say well and 
it's nice too because we don't have like 15 minutes of them slowly deteriorating it's just like you know what's coming the characters even kind of know that there's something wrong but you can't just jump well, to yeah, shoot because them in the you head, can see that you know? they actually start losing the hair because right. you still have not full-blown hair not full-blown out hair you have like this patches of gone and then your skin looks like sick looking and then you start having moments of like clarity versus not clarity so yeah it's like they said don't don't spend 15 minutes but then it's just 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 by one image you can tell so much mm -hmm. and in action movies they don't take the time to to do that in mm -hmm. this movie they actually took the time yeah. and that's why i was a little bit more interested I, I, and i think that's part of what works is because it's still a horror movie first there's a lot of action in the movie but you can tell from their approach that it, we're going to make you uneasy we're going to scare you we're going to shoot guns and yell and blow stuff up too but that's not the priority it was bravo team's helicopter nobody was in it but strangely most of the equipment was still there however we soon discovered why <sighs> we start to get closer to the video game where the stars team is sent to the Arcady Mountains to Sp uh, the Spencer Mansion to investigate of course there's zombies loose in the, the house and so there's you know stuff going on there and then meanwhile Claire has been attacked at her house and she runs off in a motorcycle which connects to the, the video games where she's looking for a brother and she's riding into Raccoon City when things start happening for her and then also you've got the Leon S. Kennedy character who's the rookie cop at the police station now he has the least overblown circumstance he's already at the police station he sees that things are getting a little bit crazy so he's the guy who's like locking things up and everything things that you know you, we have a, a like the iconic moment from the games where a semi smashes through town and starts a bunch of flyers and you see the, the zombies start to uprise and stuff you definitely start to see the games more in those sequences and that's when you start getting more into the regular zombie mode too where there's like you know get your guns and start shooting stuff plot wise it's very close to both the first and the second games and if, if anything maybe they owe too much to it and in trying to adapt two games simultaneously so there's simultaneous action instead of one happening and another happening they lose a lot of stuff they lose some of the characters it's weird because so much of it visually is faithful so many of the uh, iconic images like the look at the police station the look at the house with the opening sequence from the game where they go into the house and uh, one of the zombies is munching on somebody and when they flash the light on it it, it, it responds and comes starts coming after them um, lots of stuff in the games but it's a little weird because the characters really aren't quite in line with the way they are in the games the Claire Redfield character in the games is way more perky and more personable and she, she you've told me in the past things that bothered you about the uh, Japanese people while we were in Japan that like just like that force effervescence and <laughs> yeah, in the games 
And the game's clear is kind of like that, which is why I don't like the Redfields. And another thing that put me off the games was they kept focusing more and more on the brother and sister. And I like the other characters more. Jill Valentine was one of the people who was part of the Stars team. And she's played by Hannah John Kamen, who you probably don't remember from the Ant-Man and Wasp movie. She was the ghost. She has an interesting feature. She has kind of deep sunk eyes and stuff. But I, I don't, you didn't, neither one of us liked the Ant-Man movie. And so she gets to have a lot more personality in this movie. I would say that in terms of personality, her Jill Valentine is close to the games but she's a little bit psycho in the in the show movie where the in the games Jill's probably just a little sassy at most but she's reasonably close to how she is in the games but we don't get to see her very much there's very little of her and most of what she's doing is a connection to Albert Wesker who's played by Tom Hopper who looks so much like Michael Rosenbaum that I had to double check to make sure it wasn't him but he's taller and more muscular and Wesker the games are infamous for bad acting particularly the first game in the first game instead of the helicopter staying with them the helicopter takes off and there's a sequence where they're like no don't go we're used to this Wesker guy being this really like smug smarmy you know this guy's evil from jump you know he's the guy who's got sunglasses on at night you know so you know he's a creepo where the character is played here is a lot more sympathetic and more personable now I, I think I still think he's kind of a douchey jock bro type of what you were seeing when he was in the diner sequence but he feels so much like a different character that it's I don't even recognize him as well, Wesker because- it doesn't fit uh, the thing too is that to point it out that you didn't mention is that whenever they were trying to send them send them out to see what was what was going on on the mansion, he had this pilot device yeah. where it was like a palm he, pilot. Yeah, he got a, a beeper, a viper, like beeper, a yeah, beeper to go to his locker where he found this unusual device. What is this palm pilot thing? Yeah, oh the bi- oh like you know, so it was all again 1998 kind of vibe. Uh, so and uh, all the instructions are gonna be there, so we don't know was going on with this pan pilot thing but yeah. apparently there is a lot of stuff in there yeah. that he's well, supposed to follow uh, yeah and it helps him to it, one of the things that was neat was one of the only times you see is that the from public, the game yeah when you see okay. the not the palm pilot but they, they, they you using the piano key sequence to trigger a secret room opening and stuff that's right out of the game so again for people who play the games there's so much nostalgia bait in this movie it's unreal but it's just so weird that the characters aren't quite right and what the, the most egregious though is Avon Gogia or Jogia as Leon S. Kennedy. So he was always floppy haired pretty boy in the games but he was like and he was I guess he's a rookie cop in the games too but I don't think he's a rookie in general. I think he was just a rookie to Raccoon City but he was running around doing the you know shooting people in the head just like any other zombie game and he was very capable and in fact he is not only my favorite of the Resident Evil game characters but a lot of people's favorites. I think uh, Max's favorite as well and so for him to be this completely comically inept Sheriff Duty guy he's like David Arquette character from the Scream movies he's so completely incompetent and useless and you pointed out he's the subject of one of your greatest thieves in motion pictures that occurs in this movie the Walkman oh yeah so they go into this scene right when whenever they go when all the stuff is going down uh, he's just at the front desk right? He, because he's screwing he's, up and getting mocked basically. he's the newbie he's like yeah he's getting mocked well it's like the police chief uh, calls everybody in for a meeting so he goes to the meeting and he's specifically like not you Kennedy only the real cops some old lady might come in looking for a cat or something you need to be at the front in case she shows up the real cops are going to be back here you know getting our mission on so yeah, yeah so so he's there in the front desk right and he's but, and, they, and they made a point too mentioning that uh, he'd only gotten on the police department because his dad was some muckety muck at another major metropolitan police force and also apparently he shot his partner in the ass accidentally and that's how he ended and up in Stratton City I thought it was an no, eye no the, the butt oh he did really I thought yeah. it was an eye no because that was supposed to be a comedy beat that, that didn't work oh, okay, out yeah. if he shot the guy 
in the eye, that would be kind of like fucked up. We're shooting him in the butt. It's well, like, that's what I thought. So it's like, why they're making fun of that? That was kind of yeah. like rough. I think you maybe associate that would be kind of traumatic with, with somebody shooting in the eye. Yeah. But anyhow, so yeah, so he was there in the front desk, and then he's like, he's jamming, I guess, with his Walkman. I think he's falling asleep too. He's falling asleep. On I guess duty at the I don't desk. know. So he's, you know, he's there with his Walkman with like the headphones. You know, before the headphones with the foam and everything. So in ni- 1998, it's like yeah. how big? Very basic Walkman, Very yellow basic. foam headphones. Was it a Walkman? Or it was like a CD player. It might have been a Sony Walkman, but it's still Walkman. I'm sure. I think it was like oh, because it's different between a Walkman. It was I don't know. Discman. Discman. Yeah, yeah. There we go. So anyhow, so he's there, and then it was like this truck, of course, like the one that gave Claire a lift. Literally, because what had because happened the is the dog-, dog that had licked the blood had become infected by the zombie infection and bit his master, and now they're both zombies driving down the freeway. Yeah. So this guy is shredding right straight to the station, and then it's just hit another car, and then there's this massive truck. I guess it's transporting gasoline. I don't know. They never say, but but the the truck hit it like right into the police station, like where you can see this guy from the door at the front desk with this headphones. Then you see this massive explosion because this like the huge truck just bump into the front of the police station. Yeah, it rolled and this slid. massive explosion, you know. And then this guy is still like falling asleep or doing something else with his headphones, for which I absolutely detest that I did. they do that. What's up with them doing that scene in a lot of the movies? Is that even credible? Even with the top of the line right now, 21st century, top of the line, noise canceling headphones, whatever. you can still hear shit. It's not like totally you're in total uh, silent room, you know, like complete isolation. No, you can still, plus, yeah, those headphones, those those headphones were not even near of blocking the massive amount of shit that is going on outside and I just hate when they do that and then apparently with the chief just come out and say hey what are you doing that's when he hears so he hears that well, and not I, I, the actually, massive crash uh, into the outside into this massive explosion well actually what had happened is the, the zombie truck driver had walked through the front door of the police station was walking directly toward Kennedy Kennedy still is asleep and or listening to his music and then the police chief shot the zombie that's what it was and that's when there's enough oh, noise yeah, finally so a shot yeah actually well, don't get me wrong a, a, a gunshot it, is, that, it yeah. is strong but not fucking strong hitting on top of the building in a massive explosion of sure. a tank full of yeah. gasoline yeah. come on yeah. uh, and just point out too the chief is played by Donald Loeb who how old do you think that police chief is oh uh, he's the one who was in um, that TV show that I like uh, what was that TV show I don't remember the name but I know which one you're talking about he was on Fox yeah with the dad and my mom Sylvia and, and like they had like the girl when they were not still pregnant uh, 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 married and and uh, I wasn't on that show I'm going to IMDb yeah it's like, it's, I used to like that show a lot they didn't have that Grounded one. for Life Grounded for Life 91 episodes it lasted yeah so so yeah I recognized the guy immediately he was pretty much playing the same character except yeah, he mostly plays asshole. the same character he, he was the same guy he in Blade really, he was the same guy in Gotham he was he was really annoying to me really in that movie I well, think I, I, he definitely went big and I think under the circumstances it made sense for him to do that but how old do you think that guy is based on what you, he looked in this movie I'll say he's like 50, 55 he's 55 but I think he looked way older in this movie this is a guy he's, he's walking around with a mustache and I think he's playing older which probably helps I don't think but, he's yeah. but he, he he needs he's he's got a required beard he needs to grow his beard back because him with the mustache he, he just looks way too fucking old 55 uh, maybe maybe by 55 in the 1970s or the 1950s but by modern 
standards, he looks way too old to just be 55 years old. Yeah. Okay. Well, I kind of figured more or less that that was going to be the age because of that show. Mm -hmm. And he kind of looked like around mid 50s, I guess. But yeah. So anyhow, continue. Again, you also have the adaptation of the second game. So you've got them running around the police station, but not as much as you would think. And that's where ultimately Claire Redfield ends up. And that's how you team out Claire with Leon. You know, there's some stuff that goes on in the jail cells and stuff, but you really don't get a lot of the material from the second game, which is unfortunate. You do see the, the return of the Doberman, of course, because we have to visit so many Dobermans. But ultimately, they all end up at the house, and you end up with them, you know, dealing with all the weird underground uh, umbrella bullshit, and William Birkin, and flashbacks, and yada yada. Definitely go more into action mode, although there, there's still some horror moments in there. And uh, coming up to the resolution, which would be familiar to anybody who played the games, and yes, involves a train. That's required. Check. Yeah. And, and then you get to the very end where uh, you get a nice big hero walk and then finally there's a mid credit sequence that sets up some uh, sequels and also it features a key character from the Resident Evil 2 game that does not have a significant role in the movie. I forgot to mention too, they, I think that the Avon Jogia actor is solid. You know, I think he does a good job of playing the character that's written for this movie. I just don't care for his rendition of Leon Kennedy and one would hope that if they were to do any sequels that he would have more to do. I think that it worked okay to do race swap because they race swap Jill and they race swap Leon and I, I think it was smart because the Redfields are so innately white bread that it wouldn't have worked to try to cast them by another race and you want to have more variety especially when you've got all these different characters that are like lead characters from games you want to make sure that they're not just all played by a bunch of white people so I think they did a good job with the choosing who they were going to race swap with and the characters uh, that were race swapped were uh, I like them well enough what really got me though is I think that uh, Kaya Scodelario I like her so much better than the character of Claire Redfield. I think she did the best job of all the actors where she could do the toughness, but she could also do the fear to some degree. She also, because of her dealings with Umbrella in the past, she gets to do a lot of those key things games. Like like for you, how did you feel when you saw her turn on the movie projector and you're watching that? Besides getting some sinister flashbacks probably. No, the the, the thing to was me... Was it weird for you? Did it take you out of any movie or anything? Or did no, just... it was okay. It's just that to me, I was thinking about it. It's like, well, I guess there's electricity. So it just happens to be connected like for so many years and if it's connected for so many years and it's just worked just like that probably it was been what like 40 years 40 60 years mm -hmm. and no and nobody has maintained this thing they have a lot of moving parts and that that, that was kind of what the bhs chat room kind of took me right. out of it and i was more concentrated it's like how would that shit work after 60 years of just been standing there and it's just well that's just it though is i i think that that was still operational i think that everything was still active at that point it wasn't like it'd been forgotten all those years i think that the doctor's down there regularly you know oh, okay, okay so but but yeah uh celluloid is not exactly notorious for its stability mm. um that's why we have all these fires involving celluloid one thing that is peculiar to me especially as i'm looking at the idd page is you've got all these zombies but they cast like almost uniformly attractive people you know whether or not they're playing zombies um so there's definitely a weird amount of eye candy and uh, you know for me claire redfield was my type Jill Valentine is my type so the lost Mila wasn't as, as profoundly felt as a result of them casting hotness and I think you probably like Leon he seemed like he'd be more your type the actor nah, playing Leon nah. not the character but the actor no no, I did not did like any attractive? of the male characters mm, sorry well except maybe the newbie guy that's what I'm talking about Leon oh yeah. yeah yeah he was okay but then he was playing the dumb dumb you're right that didn't help uh, yeah. yeah I was kind of like turned 
dumb by that. Yeah, so. and, and it didn't help too that they they made sure to race swap the two characters. They also gave way less screen time to. So you know, it's like that was a little. Mm. And then at, at the end, you know, the Leon guy started to be more like you know doing cool stuff, not completely useless and pathetic. Yeah, and but at that point, by everybody. I was already like, okay, well, you started into the action part of it, so now you're the not dumb dumb, and now you're this action jock. It's like I don't care. Right. So yeah, so pretty uh, much. I mean, he managed to work one device successfully. Overall, when we were driving home, you said that you actually were surprised that you, relatively speaking, enjoyed the movie. I went to expectations of me falling asleep. Like, pretty much don't remember any of the movie. Like, I didn't remember any of the whichever we went to see into the into the movie theater. That was my expectation. It was below the ground. I was going to fall asleep or just eat the popcorn. I didn't care. And I actually was aware of the whole movie. I, I There were some parts, like I said, that I did like a lot. That it wasn't full-blown action, macho, you know, hot chicks running out like with this boobs pull, you know, just like the other Resident Evil. It was more slow. Plus, the movie was an hour and 40 minutes or something like that. Uh, 147. And they still managed to cramp all that a slow pacing, ev- evolving scenes that I really like for some of the actions, for some of the story. So I think that they did a pretty good job pulling it together. And I'm not saying that it's going to be my, it's my favorite movie or it's like, I really like it a lot. But based on my expectations of not pretty much, pretty much going to be negative numbers, I would say it was pretty decent. It, 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 it kept me entertained. And because I didn't know absolutely nothing about the actual story of Resident Evil. And uh, finally, when we were driving home, I asked you, it's like, is this like a time frame? Or, and then you finally told me, well, it seems that it's a reboot. So I'm like, oh. Yeah, because at first I, I kind of thought, well, maybe it's a prequel to the other movies. But because Raccoon City and Elements of Umbrella were so fundamentally different in a fairly short time frame, considering that the movies were in 2002. So within five years, Raccoon City would not have turned into what it is in those movies. So it's clear that they're not related to one another. And obviously, it's worth noting too, is a number of the characters that are in this movie do pop up in the W.S. Sanderson movies, but they're not the same actors, obviously, and they're not, there's not a lot of fidelity. I mean, people who like the movies don't necessarily like the games, and people who like the games don't necessarily like the movies, because a lot of the movie, the game people really felt like they, they got too far away from the games, and by the end, in no way resembled the games. So the expectation was that by being truer to the games, they were going to serve that audience better. And apparently it served a more horror-oriented audience better, too, as opposed to the action people that watch the other movies. But it's like I say, it did have a lot of everything in a, in a very good proportion. I will say that a lot of times when the movie goes into the final, like all the Marvel movies, that you have the final battle at the mm-hmm. end. Big boss level battle. Yeah. Uh, that time I, I'm, I'm already checked out because it's like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, I just care about everything that happens up to that point. Mm-hmm. And with this one, it's pretty much happened the same thing. Like, you know, the last, I guess, monster. But everything else was a nice pace, a nice movie, and didn't felt like it was fucking three hours long it was a very nice yeah short movie it's with, so nice to see a movie like this under two hours oh yes especially when when they and i thought that was really bold for taking their time to just develop that walk to the to the house or to mm-hmm. see that woman on the door or that kid or just just little moments that, that they actually drag it out in time for you to feel something in a in an hour and 40 minutes i thought they were gonna be just action packed run 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 don't don't care about the dialogue don't care about the what phase you're doing as long as you go come on dude oh yeah you know like all fucking action movies and bang bang and bing bing um for which that's what i was clearly surprised that they actually took the time they have enough horror that i got scared a couple times they had enough 
action for me to get bored a little bit. They have history. They have like those nice moments of me being like, huh, this is just pretty, pretty neat. So yeah, they have uh, uh, well packed everything in an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah. See, the, the original Resident Evil was supposed to be directed by George Romero, who definitely had zombie movie bona fides, but also probably wouldn't have given them the movie they wanted, which is why they went a different way. So when they hired Paul W.S. Anderson, I think they were doing that on the strength of his movie Event Horizon, which was a pretty solid horror movie. But it also was an outlier because mostly what he's known for is action movies, even the horror, quote unquote, Resident Evil series is an action franchise, where I think one thing they did smartly was they got Johan Roberts to do this movie. And he is known pretty much exclusively for horror. He did the two 47 meters down shark movies. He did uh, the Stranger sequel, Pray at Night. He's done pretty much nothing but horror movies. And I think that shows, I think he recognizes that horror is about mood. Horror is about taking your time. You can't rush it. And, and that, that goes well here. Yeah. yeah. Um, because not jump horrors like, you know, the it's and a lot of the uh, horror movies that they try to boo, boo. Yeah. No, that like, takes time to you to actually feel those shields. And for me, going into this movie, there was an element of getting it over with is that I, I assumed I was going to see the movie and I didn't want anything spoiled for me. And I, I while I didn't have very high expectations, especially not knowing pretty much anybody in the cast, uh, I, I didn't expect much from this one either. But I also knew that it was going to nag at me if I didn't see the movie within a timely fashion. It was just going to keep bugging me. Mm-hmm. And because I'd already, uh, quote unquote, wasted a whole day doing running around and shopping and stuff, I figured, well, you know, I've already lost this day anyway. So let me go ahead and get this movie out of the way. And being that's a horror movie, maybe watching it late at night will be helpful. And uh, I do think it was. Uh, I, I was much more pleased with this movie than I thought I was going to be. I was much happier with it. I still prefer the better uh, movies of the previous series. Mila. And Mila. But yeah, I was entertained. It, I did appreciate all the nostalgic nods, the music used. I did have decent action when it was action. But it wasn't overdoing it. Right, right. They, yeah, exactly. I, I would definitely put it probably somewhere in the middle of the previous series in terms of my liking as a fan of that material. But for somebody who has a, a fetishistic appreciation for the early Resident Evil games, if you uh, grew up playing those games and you were disappointed that you didn't get the movie you thought you were going to back in the 2000s, it's here now. And unfortunately, people are not staying away from this movie in droves. Uh, it looks like it's going to be the number five movie at the, at the extended week uh, holiday box office. It's getting beaten by the Eternals in its fourth weekend, I think, if I remember correctly. So it's not doing well at all. And, and almost certainly will be the biggest commercial failure of the Resident Evil series. And I do think part of it is that the zombie uh, zeitgeist has definitely left at this point. Partly is that the oh, people... Oh, wow. 25% Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, well, none of the Resident Evil movies do well in Rotten Tomatoes, though. No, but this is not a 25. I'm sorry. No, it's better than A that. lot of the Marvel movies are mm. way worse Oh yeah. than, than this movie. And yeah. the fucking Marvel movies get like 90% Rotten Tomatoes for which a fucking bias thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is not a 25 Rotten Tomatoes. I think this is... I think people are just trying to... I don't know. They're kind of saying like, oh, this is not like the original Resident Evils. They don't have like chicks running with boobs like up and down and all the bang bangs. You know, I don't know. I don't yeah, know what's yeah, the deal. I, I don't understand why the critics are quite so rough on this one. because I read why the critics says that. Seriously. Mostly they find it inert. They just found it boring. People didn't like it. I, I like it. I think if you like material, you should definitely check it out. And given that I'm a fan of the film series and that it's the 25th anniversary of the games here in the state, next year is the 20th anniversary of the Paul W.S. Anderson films. I, I like the idea of kicking those off because uh, I plan on covering those next year. Go ahead and kicking that off the little prelude and prequel this year and then going into those next year. And I'm happy to go into those on a positive note, having enjoyed the movie. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you liked it too.
too. I'm surprised you liked yes. it too. Yeah. I'm not gonna say that I loved it. Yeah. But I enjoyed it, and like I say, I enjoyed it way better than I enjoyed it, the latest Marvel movie. Yeah. I'm not seeing House of Gucci. I'm not the audience. I have not seen Eternals. I'll see it when it's free on streaming. I'm hoping to be surprised by that, but I'm not having high expectations of that movie. I, I think that above the movies that were out at this moment, this was the movie that I most ought to have seen, and I'm glad that's the one I did go see. Yeah. Yes. Very much. Okay. Thank you. Thanks go out to Adam Blackmoon, Alan Middleton, Dr. Ann, Canoe, Chris of Backbook for Beginners, Chris Dunford, Chris Lydon, Comic42, Dave's Comic Heroes blog, Dear Watches, a Marvel What If podcast, Del Dracula, Doc Strange, Eater of Taki, Ed Moore, Gregory Litfield, The Hammer Strikes, Geeky Stuff, and VoiceOver, History of Comics on Film, Iowa's Joe is Totally 80s, It's Plastic Man, Jeffrey Brown, They, Them, Jenna Reagan, Keith G. Baker, King Dinosaur, Lucretia, Max Reed's Comic, Mike at Send Aliens to Me, P, Photo Druid Do Dorf, Randy Caldwell, Resurrections, uh, Warlock and Thanos Podcast, Samilla, Scott X, Tim Price the Podcrasher, and Wayne Burroughs, with Randy Caldwell sending us a picture of King Shark holding some Sudafed as reference to Max Sinuses and my own. And Mike also asked, 2019, whatever happened in 2019? And a whole bunch of people gave him like for that, and I didn't tag any of them here. I thought it was asses.